Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your DFS breakdown for this week's CJ Cup. Joining me to break it all down, it's Greg Dushan. What is up, Greg? Man, what a day. I was looking at this uh, this field for this week, Rick, it is loaded. I mean, you, you get all the way down to the 6K range, and you got great players there. Players in great form. I'm, I'm so excited for today. Um, this is like a, it's like a midsummer tournament. This is going to be awesome. I might be biased, but I feel like we've really only had like one or two events recently that I was like, wow, this field's this field's pretty bad. Like, I mean, even last week, I mean, maybe because guys were planning on playing back to back weeks, but like that was the best field we ever saw at the Shriners. Now we get this phenomenal field with all the big studs back again. Like, yeah, this is this is awesome. Yeah. I, and I think last week there were so many stories that were going around. And when when Bryson plays, it adds an element. It, it adds a, a totally new element these days because there's so much discussion and hype. Um, and then and he and Matthew Wolf seem to have a little thing going on where they uh, kind of always seem to contend together, which I find to be very interesting. Um, but anyway, it, it, it was great to watch last week. And this week, I just I think it's going to be even better. And for this tournament always has a good field. Right. But there are a couple differences this year one it's in the states so we're going to get to watch this in prime time and two there's something right around the corner that we're leading into where typically this is kind of a it's a great field but it's almost like a money grab because it, it there's you're just going into a holiday break and it's just like the one event guys play hmm. at the start of the year but now this is a, a real um it's going to give us some real signs to how players are playing heading into masters so it means even more than it does in a normal year which is always fun to watch but we're going to get to watch it and it has real meanings heading into masters in november couple of housekeeping items off the top here. Make sure to give us a watch, a subscription on YouTube. So that's youtube.com slash first cut podcast. And if you want to drop a five-star rating and review in Apple iTunes, we'd be appreciate uh, much appreciated and uh, ask a question. We'll be happy to answer it on the show. Greg, this week, Shadow Creek, you mentioned it. We're now on the West Coast. We're in Las Vegas. There's a lot to figure out. Not a lot of information out there, but we'll do our best to try to describe this. So the way that I understand Shadow Creek, so what it is, very exclusive uh, course in North Las Vegas. They get about 12,000 rounds a year. Greg, you and I were talking about that offline. Like, uh, that's nothing. That's that's like maybe 10 groups a day, <laughs> like over the course of a year. It's insane. Yeah, I, I it's likely that they have a um, being in Vegas and, you know, we have bent grass greens this week. Yeah. You know, there's very likely to be a period, I would guess, three months where they're likely closed, um, because when you get into Vegas in the in the summertime, my understanding is it gets quite hot, uh, you know, into triple digits day after day and bent grass greens aren't going to handle that. So I would guess that 
that 12,000 rounds a year number is over um, nine, eight, eight, maybe nine months of the year. Um, but still, even at that point, it's a very, very um, limited play number, right? I mean, I used to work at a place in Miami, which was very exclusive, uh, but it had a full membership and we would do like 23,000 rounds a year. Yeah. And it's largely in six months, largely in six to eight months. So, I mean, the membership would go and play there. And this, this course is getting nowhere near that. So that is a, uh, I guess you could say a, a sleepy club, not, not a lot of play going on there, which is cool. Uh, if you get dropped dead in the heart of shadow Creek, you would never know you were in Las Vegas. This is not going to be your true desert course. Like you saw at TPC Summerland. I mean, it is, it is lush. There are beautiful trees all over the place. You think you might be in Wisconsin, Ohio, Michigan, something like that. Uh, my understanding, well, it's not my understanding. The scorecard has this about 7,500 yards. It's a par 72, Greg. My understanding is it plays a bit shorter than this, which I think brings back in the shorter hitters. And Dustin Johnson holds the course record. It's a 66, which is six under par. That's not very low for a course record. I think this could play fairly difficult. I'm very interested to see. Um, when you're talking about a place that doesn't host a tournament, yeah. um, it's not hosting anything. How many of the guys have played there? Has Dustin played there a lot? Did he shoot 66 the first time out there? <laughs> um, like, what what is the experience? How often are PGA Tour players actually out there playing? I would guess not very often. So I'm not sure how great of a um, how great of a mark that is, how great of a sign that is for difficulty. And also occasionally with tour players, when they're not playing for anything, they may be working on something. They may try to hit one shot. They may just, they, they may play with a different style and they're not necessarily grinding out the lowest score they can possibly shoot. Sometimes you get that. Now, other times in low pressure situations, you'll get a, a 58 like Joel Damon shot um, in, in this area of the world. So it, it's very interesting to see, but I'm not sure that, that right there with Dustin Johnson having the course record at 66, I'm not sure that tells me that it's going to be a really hard course. A lot will depend on the firmness. Um, if, if the greens get firm, it will be difficult. I remember the green complex is being um, somewhat difficult to access. But if the greens are soft, I don't care how long it is. These guys are going to eat it up. So that, that'll be kind of the, the telling sign to me. What, what's the firmness of the greens? Two final things. You may remember this from Tiger V. Phil part one, the original match. This is where they played that. And the bigger thing with this event is we've got 78 players, no cut. So you're going to get your four guaranteed rounds, barring a DQ, barring a withdrawal. Uh, these guys are guaranteed four rounds. We'll talk about some guys that tend to thrive in those types of situations, but we're not going to have that Friday afternoon cut, cut sweat, Greg, which I think is a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at what happened last week. The cut got to seven under, right? I mean, Colin Morikawa, who I was high on last week, shoots six under in the first two rounds. Well, we'll see you, see you later. Come back next week. Um, enjoy a weekend off because that's not going to get the job done. So it, it, I think this will be a great test. It'll be a great ability for players to get four rounds and they can uh, figure out how they want to play the golf course and then really go get it over the weekend. So it, it, it's always good to see. You don't have to worry about that Friday night sweat because you see guys make moves over the weekend. Guys that are 10 back can really make a charge. You see Matthew Wolf shoot 61 on Saturday and put himself right back into contention. And on a golf course like this, that sounds more difficult. If it's not more difficult, it will play a little more difficult because we don't know the players don't know the course as well. 
So I think that opens up for a lot of volatility over the weekend. Players that seem out of it making big charges on Saturday, which is always fun to watch. Before we jump into the top end of the player pool, we do want to welcome a new show to the CBS Sports Podcast family. It's called K Galazzo, and it's our daily soccer podcast that aims to bring you the best analysis and commentary from the world's game. They'll have gambling previews and immediate match recaps and react to all the latest news from the Champions League to the Premier League to Americans in Europe and everything in between. It's truly a must listen if you are a soccer fan this wednesday the team will be releasing their first full episode to recap the international break but you can go subscribe now to k galazzo on apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher and anywhere else podcasts are found pretty cool greg yeah it's exciting um i'm personally not the i'm not a huge soccer guy i don't really follow the world's game the world's game for me is the game of golf but my cousin um, has always been a huge soccer fan and a, yeah. a, quite a player himself. He played at Virginia Tech. Um, but so he always loved Manchester United. Lo- obsessed my whole childhood, my whole upbringing. He's obsessed with Man U. So I know uh, I'm going to be checking out that podcast to see how my, how my uh, boys in Manchester are doing this year. And from the sounds of it, they're not, uh, not the team that they once were. But no. I'm thinking this year they're going to make a charge. All right. I I like Arsenal's chances this year, but I guess we'll have to see and check it all out. Greg, it's time for golf. All right. DraftKings player pool, the $10,000 range led by John Rom. Dustin Johnson's the betting favorite. John Rom gets the nod on DraftKings, 11,300. DJ, 11,001. Justin Thomas at 10,8. Rory McIlroy, 10,600. The X-Man, Xander Shoffley, 10,003. And look at this name, Greg. Rounding out the $10,000 range, Matthew Wolf, well-deserved entry into the top tier. It's absolutely well-deserved. I mean, this is a guy who has played in two major championships, and both top fives, a T4 and a T2. Um, he, in, in his last two events of this season, they've both been top two finishes, and he has all the makings of the great player. He's a wonderful ball striker, a great driver. The golf ball has uh, more than enough length. In fact, it'll be an advantage for him this week. Um, and, and so he does everything really well. And I can't get over how many... Um, how many moments this kid, he's 21 years old. He's a kid and he has put himself in countless moments um, uh, that are of the most pressure and he's succeeded on many occasions. So, uh, and he continues to put himself there. So I think it's very well deserved to be in that 10 K range. Before I forget uh, on a, where we don't have a course that has been played year after year after year, to me, that benefits these young guys. That benefits your Matthew Wolf, your Colin Morikawa, your Victor Hovland, who for them, they're playing every course on tour for the first or second time in, in competition. You know, some, you know, if you're Dustin Johnson, if you're, uh, you know, Webb Simpson, Webb Simpson's not in the field this week, but he, you know, these guys have played every, every course on tour eight, 10, 12 times when you kind of level the playing field, I think a lot of these younger guys are, are much more in play. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily, I guess in a way it is an advantage, but see, everybody's playing, like you said, it's it's a level playing field. Nobody has a real course knowledge advantage. So from that regard, because the younger guys are used to going up against guys who do have that advantage, 
um, because their advantage is taken away. I guess right. it is an advantage in a way for the younger <laughs> guys. So um, I, I like them for that reason, but I also like the young guys because of the way they've played, right? They've, they've earned a, a spot in the 10 K range. Like Matthew Wolf, they've earned the position Scotty Scheffler's in as a rookie of the year. These guys have shown time and time again, that they're unafraid, able to contend with the best fields in the game. Like we have this week. And I, I wouldn't be afraid of, of going their way. In fact, their youth, I think, gives them better value than uh, than than I, I guess their price goes down because of their youth in a lot of cases. So you get better value. So I, I really like the young guys, too, for more reasons than just the fact that it's a new course. Yeah, I, I've I've narrowed this range down to probably three guys I'm pretty focused on. I mean, they're all huge names, right? DJ, JT, and Xander. Now, Dustin Johnson, who I know it's only $200 cheaper than John Rahm. That $200 might not go very far, but I thought it was surprising to see him not be the favorite. His last five finishes, Greg, T6, win, second, win, second. Uh, that's like a good career for some guys on the PGA Tour. He's done it in five starts. It's phenomenal stuff. Uh and then you, I lump the other two guys together, JT and Xander, right? Those are the no cut specialists or whatever yes. you want to call them, right? I think uh, for JT, I want to say it's nine of his 13 PGA Tour victories are in these smaller field, no cut events. Xander, three of his four, both playing really well. I think JT is actually the one who stands out to me the most. He's $500 cheaper than John Rahm. He's flying a bit under the radar, but he's still coming off a top 10 at the U S open you know, he's coming off of the win just like six starts ago at the WGC. Those are the three that I think are that I'm most excited to play. We've had a little bit of a, since the U S open these players have had a little bit of a break, right? They've basically taken, what is it? Three weeks off. They took off uh, Punta Cana. They took off, many of them took off Shriners and you had the Sanderson farms before that. So many of these players have taken three weeks off in a row. Rick, when you look at this, do you think that's enough of a time to reset? Does that change recent performance at all for you? Or do you think the performance at the U S open is still very much live and, and it's still a good indicator of form going in? I think for the top tier guys, you know, the raw, like these guys often take multiple weeks off in a row. You know, they, they generally play smaller schedules. I'm not that it's not like it was six months or anything like that. I'm not too worried about it at all. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, I think for a guy, it's hard to find something against any of the players in this range, right? It, it, I wouldn't be upset if you took anybody in this range. And so for that reason, for me, I'd like to, find a little bit of value. I I think Rory is probably the guy we have the most questions about. We're the most unsure about what's going to happen with his putter. Um, Is is that going to start to heat up for him? Is his play going to resemble what it did at the beginning of the year last year, um, back in, in the start of 2020 and the end of 2019, I have a feeling it's going to for Rory. I'm expecting a really big year out of him. I'm just not sure it's going to be this week. So I'm I'm on the fence with Rory. Am I going to take the value now? Because Rory's, I mean, he's the fourth ranked player, the fourth um, highest priced player in the field. You're not going to see that again. Likely, if if it if it pays off, you're not going to see that again. So I like a play with Rory of buying early. But JT is probably my favorite in this range. Um, and I really like Matthew Wolf. But I, the ten thousand dollar price is a tough one to fit in. And I think JT, I like so much this week that he's kind of my guy. And as you said, Xander as well. 
um, with, with his performances and no cut events, his performance at the U S open when we last saw him, I, I think both of those two guys, I'm, I'm totally with you. I think they're the guys you got to go with. We were kind of talking before we went live. Uh, you're right. I mean, you can make a case for so many of these guys. I think it's going to be a little bit of personal preference. I think it's going to be a little bit when you start uh, when you start creating your lineups and you need an extra two hundred dollars. Maybe you drop from JT to Rory, something like that, because th- there's there's no knocks here. They're they're, they're ten thousand right. dollars for a reason, and they're all playing so well, you know, Roy's probably playing the worst out of them. Right. And he's still Roy. McElroy. (laughs) And and they're all playing for something too. This isn't going to be like a, a money grab giggle round tournament. Everybody's going to be taking it seriously because now you're, you're really preparing for something that counts. And, and for all of these players, the, the FedEx cup points at this point in the season are not really the main focus, although it's important. They're not thinking, oh, if I win this week, I could keep my card for two more years. That's not a concern for these players like it has been the past three weeks. That's been a major story. These guys are trying to prepare for um, November. They're trying to get their games in peak form for November where there's a major championship coming up. So this is a, a really it's a significant event. And I'm as I'm saying this, I'm wondering, are, am I sleeping on John Rahm and Dustin Johnson? Are we not giving them the credit they deserve by, by kind of going for the discount and going with JT or Xander. Um, I mean, Dustin has a course record here. Are you crazy to go away from Dustin Johnson here? I mean, he's the best player in the world, right? Uh, yeah, I, I think he is. I mean, it, it's, it's tough, right? You can, you can't play all five. You can't play all five or all six of these guys. So you're going to have to make some, some distinctions. I think can, we can are- you get to. I think you should. I think you should try. So we, we usually talk about this at the end, but uh, usually, you know, cream rises to the top at whether it's a WGC, whether it's a, a, an event like this. There's so many studs here, but you guarantee them four rounds. Usually one of them ends up winning it. I love a stars and scrubs approach. Now, can you get a DJ Matt Wolf? I don't know what that leaves you with. And I do think that there are some good sub seven options. So I would like to see us try when i get to when i get to lineup building time greg i think that's the path to go yeah i I really like that idea since all these guys are so strong see if you can get two of them in there even if it's xander and wolf i think that's a great duo um but i love dustin johnson man i mean it's hard for me to stay away from him so this is what i'm going to say i'll put put a uh, a period on this one i'm going to go dustin johnson as my as my top guy but in the event that I, I can get two players in there, I'm going to say Xander and Wolf are the two guys. I'm going to try to get that duo or Dustin Johnson into my lineup. How's that? I love it. Featured groups hot off the presses. Dustin Johnson, John Rahm, Matthew Wolf playing together the first two days. Oh. Hoochie mama. That's a firepower. $9,000 range. This is where you can start to make some distinctions, Greg. You've got Patrick Cantlay at 9,800, you know, the king of Las Vegas, but struggled on Sunday last week, all the way down to Victor Hovland. And there are some really intriguing options. Now, here's where I could be like, oh, that guy I'm worried about. Or I could also be like, oh, yeah, I'm all in on that guy. So what stands out to you most in the 9K Well, range? Brooks Kepka is the first guy that sticks out to me, yeah. right? He, he's uh, up near the top. And this is one of those where, as deserving as Matthew Wolf is at, at the $10,000 price, Brooks Kepka is nowhere near it, – it's all name brand. I'm not going to say he's not deserving. It's Brooks Kepka. He can win anytime he tees it up. But he, based on what we've seen recently, shouldn't be priced this high. So he, he's not a really high value pick. 
it's just, and, and it's a pure guess. If you go with a, a Brooks Kepka this week, you're guessing that he's healthy and going to perform well. This isn't the CJ cup at nine bridges, right? This is the CJ cup at shadow Creek. And <laughs> so he doesn't have that course history to fall back on now. Uh, so that gives me concerns. And it's also an injury thing and injury things. I, they worry me. So if he wins, I'm happy to fade him um, and, and cheer on a win from Brooks Kepka. But, uh, but I am going to fade him. Now, um, another player that stands out to me, and I, I want to get your thoughts, is Cantlay. Because Patrick Cantlay, we haven't seen great stuff from. Last week, goes to a place he loves, a place he hadn't finished outside the top two, gets himself into the final group, and then the front nine, in particular on Sunday, doesn't go your way. Do you think that there's something going on there? Or do you, or do you think that Patrick Cantlay, that could maybe get him a little bit, uh, get, kind of wake him up a little bit, spark him on, and you could see a great week from him this week? It's weird, right? If he would have just bogeyed four of his first six holes instead of four of his first six on Sunday, I think I would have kind of a different perception, which is probably not fair, Greg. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, well, he might have missed the cut if he did that, right? That's, well, that's true. That's true. So maybe that's a bad example. But you know what I mean? Like, it's it's because he did it on Sunday out of the final group. It, it looks worse than it is. I, I do, you know, longer term, he he hasn't been up to his own standards in the past six, seven, eight starts. Now we're getting to a place where he doesn't have that elite history. I, I don't, I would not probably completely fade Cantlay because I think the public will want to kind of stay away from him because, you know, they, they used him at, at Summerlin. He kind of paid off. I can just move on to somebody else now with the stacked field, which makes me think he's going to be pretty low owned, but I'm not trying to have Cantlay in the vast majority of my lineups, but I, I see it as like a game theory option. Yeah. Um, I, I agree. I think there's a real chance that he performs well, but because of his price and because I like Wolf and, uh, and Shoffley so much up there at the top, I'm not sure I can, maybe I can get him with a DJ stack, but I'm not sure how many lineups he'll be in. He's definitely not in my core. Um, Hatton just won. So I, I want to mention him cause he just won it, which is important, but I'm not sure he's a guy having just won. We, we, you know how we are about guys who won last week. We, yeah. we typically stay away and um, he's flying back from Wentworth. So he's got to fly over. Great point. Great point. And you know, the travel is an interesting thing. I don't know what the effect is on tour players, the way they get to travel these days. Um, but it is a factor and it's something I'm not crazy about. Um, so you go to Colin Morikawa, big question mark about him, right? He just missed the cut, but he yeah. shot six under, he shot six under par. So I, I love Morikawa is one guy. I, and I got one other guy that I love in this range. I love going back to Morikawa. He's not going to miss two cuts in a row because this is a no cut event, but I think he's playing really well and that can happen. You shoot six under and miss the cut. You're, I mean, you're not out of the tournament. You're not playing poorly. I'm expecting a great week from him. Um, and the other guy, Rick, to me is Hideki Matsuyama. Yeah. And I'll tell you why. With Hideki, you're dealing with a player who, one, has great success in the desert, although mostly it's at the uh, Waste Management Phoenix Open. I know we're not there. But when you go to a place that nobody knows, I always favor the elite ball strikers. And although everybody in this class is a really solid ball striker, Hideki stands out in that category. Um, his iron play, his his driving of the golf ball is elite, elite, elite. And because nobody's familiar with the greens, there's a chance that everybody kind of struggles on the greens. And I think it gives a little advantage 
to Hideki. So this is one of those weeks where I'm not afraid of going to a guy in, in the team. No putt. I'm not afraid of that as much this week as I am in normal weeks. So I love Hideki here. I do. I, okay. So I don't really love anybody in the nine K range, but I think that there are a couple of really great strategic options. And you mentioned them both, Greg, I think Morikawa and I think Matsuyama for the exact reason of you go out, you shoot five or six under par over two rounds and you miss the cut. I, I can't blame you for that. You know what I mean? Like right. a seven under cut line. I'd have to look it up. That's gotta be one of the lowest cut lines. In, I think it's in, the lowest ever. Yeah, I mean, I was gonna say in recent memory, it, it, yeah, it's probably historic. Um, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna burn you for that, especially when we know what your upside is. And you look at someone like a Hideki. I mean, he's got WGC victories under his belt. He, he's he's played these no cut events uh, rather well over the years. You guarantee him four rounds. Maybe he catches a hot putter one of them and and picks up a couple of strokes on the field one day and. Uh, you're kind of in a different situation. So I, I, I like both of those. Uh, and I think it would be very strategic and pretty sharp of you to, to, to play those guys. Yeah. Anybody else in this range that stands out to you that you think is a solid play? I, I think there's a lot of guys that are fine. Right. You know, I'm, I'm, I don't really love Kepka, um, Hatton as much as I love him, probably not this week. We don't know what to expect from Tony Finau. This is going to be his first start back from COVID. I think Daniel Berger is very solid. I think Tommy Fleetwood is solid as well. Right. Like I just, I think they're all fine. Right. I'm not super stoked about any of them. Like there's a couple guys in the 8K range and the 7K range that I think are a bit underpriced, but the 9Ks, I, I'll probably end up skipping a lot of it because I want to go stars and scrubs. But I think if you're going to be in this range, you can be very strategic with those guys. And I think that's the way to play. Yeah. If you're going to go with a ROM or DJ, I think there's some really nice pairs here. Um, and, and I think that those are probably the guys that I like the most. And it's maybe a can't lay. And I love Morikawa and, and Hideki in that group. We're going to jump into the $8,000 range and we'll talk about some value. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. And we're back. Great. $8,000 range. This is where I start to see a lot of value. This is led off by Matthew Fitzpatrick at 8,900. It goes all the way down to Paul Casey at 8,000. Uh, who is your favorite play out of this group of golfers? My favorite, wow, my single favorite play. <laughs> single one. Well, you can tell I, me a couple, but who's your favorite? I, I think, guy? I think the, I think you got to go with a, with the Scotty Scheffler. Okay. Um, uh, he's a, he's just such a birdie maker. And uh, again, you, you get to a golf course like this, and I picture in Vegas, not a lot of wind going on. And I know it's not going to feel like Vegas, but there's nothing you can do about the climate. And you get into some of that desert golf limited wins. And I think somebody like Scotty Scheffler who plays as aggressive as he does can really take advantage of some of these holes and could really go off. Now I do still have some questions about him, right? The play since returning from COVID hasn't been great, but I feel like it's going to get on track and this is the kind of week where it happens. Um, but my, my safety pick in this range, and I feel like it's a really safe pick would be Harris English. Mm. And Harris English has continued to um, to hit the ball as well as anybody out there. Yet at the same time, his fingerprint over the years has really been a short game in his putting. So when I look at this range, I feel like the most well-rounded player is Harris English. He has the weapons to deal with any situation that comes his way. So on a golf course where we're not familiar, 
We don't really know what the conditions are going to be like, although we have some facts about the length. You don't know what the setup's going to be. We know the greens are should roll around 12. We know they're bent. We don't know how firm they can get. What, what What's that whole situation going to look like? We don't know. Yeah. So with the unknown, I feel like the safest play in this range is Harris English, but I have a feeling you're going to see a great week from Scotty Scheffler. So you mentioned two guys that missed the cut last week, but again, Scheffler was six under and right. Harris English was five under. And right, exactly. That, that ends Harris English. Uh, I mean, he had like the longest one of the longest active cut streaks on the PGA tour until last week. That's an easy forgive and forget option. Greg, I was actually doing my uh, DFS preview earlier and any way that I sliced it, Harris English's name kept popping up, whether it was the restart, whether it was on bent grass, whether it was just by these kind of smaller field, no cut events. It seems like no matter whichever way I slice it, Harris English's name popped up, which I think is a really good testament to his game and what everything that you described. But there's one guy, this guy that I think is maybe the most underpriced and it's Sung JM. So we are back. I've hold on. I've declared him back. I've declared him not back. I'm not ready to declare him back V2, but I'm close. So he is starting to look like pre-shutdown Sung Jay again. So last week at the Shriners, gains over nine strokes from T to green. The only two guys that were better, Martin Laird, who won the golf tournament, and James Hahn, who we know is the best golfer in the world. So you look at that strokes gain T to green number, the last time. He was that good, Greg. API finished third. Honda, he won. That's it. Those are the last two times we saw him play this well. Um, struck it well at the U.S. Open, too. And, and here's the other thing. Here's what I think the big thing is, Greg. We're starting to get down to the range of, I'm not sure a lot of these guys can win the golf tournament. Uh, yeah, I agree. Right? So you got to really start finding the guys that I think can actually win. And I do think he's only got one PGA Tour victory, but it was an impressive one. He's shown his chops plenty in his young career. I think Sung Jay is one of the last guys further down the board that might be able to win this golf tournament. It's, uh, it's quite interesting. Um, it, it's very interesting because now you're saying guys who have names, who have won a lot, Sergio Garcia, who recently won, Jason Day, Ricky Fowler, and Paul Casey, they – aren't going to win, which may sound surprising, but I don't think you're far off base. I mean, can you really picture Abraham answer who I also like um, in this range, but can you really picture him winning this golf tournament? It's hard to picture. And the thing is, okay, so we're getting to like Sung Jay's 45 to one, which in a short field event uh, is pretty long. That's like your long shots. And historically guys in the 40, 50, 60 to one range, they don't win these events. They, they just don't. So right. It, it might sound weird. And I'm not saying like, yeah, I'm not saying Sergio Garcia can never win this event, but it just historically doesn't happen as often that as, as we would like to think it does. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's important to look at. So I guess the question is, do you go with a guy that you think can win? Like Scotty Scheffler, I really think can win. I don't know about Sung JM. Harris English, He showed at the Northern Trust that he has the game. He showed at the U.S. Open that he has game to compete with these guys. Is he ready to get the job done? I don't know. But I do know he's ready for a top 10. He's in form, even though he missed a cut last week, shot five under in the first two rounds. He's on form still to top 10. So do you go 
do you go with a safe play, a guy you know is going to have a great finish, or are you going with the? I would say it's very risky, um, and and there may be a percentage chance that Sung J M could win, but it's very small. I mean, what do you think the? I mean, how often does Sung J M end up winning this tournament? It may be three percent of the. I was going to say two percent of the time. Yeah, I was going to say two yeah. percent of the time. Right. So yeah. I, I don't know. Do you do you take on that risk for that small of a percent or go with a I mean, how often does Harris English top 15, top 10 this tournament? Maybe 25 percent of the time, maybe 30 percent of the time uh, that maybe that's a little high, but it, I think it's very likely that he does. So for me, I go with a little bit of a safer, a little bit of a I guess you could call it higher floor in this range. Okay. Rapid fire on a couple other guys in this range. I think, um, you know, Louie is, is still a great buy. You know, he, he finished in a flurry last week. He shot the round of the day on Sunday to capture a top 20. He's continues to play well. He's piling up. You know, I, I, I say, you know, cuts made. I know there's not a cut this week, but that's, that's an indication that you are playing better than the majority of the field. Um, there's someone like Jason day who that's probably a fade for me. You know, now he's, Missed a couple of cuts. He's finished in the 60s at the BMW Championship. He's kind of further away from that really good run that he had at the end of 2020. Uh, but I, I do think that, um, okay, let me get your opinion on Ricky Fowler, Greg, because he misses the cut last week. And there's a couple of ways to miss cuts, as we've been alluding to. The vast majority of the, I don't know what it was, 74 that Ricky Fowler shot on Friday was like three balls in the water over two holes. Uh, would you rather two blow up holes that force you to miss the cut over a guy who like makes six bogeys in a round and misses the cut? Yeah. Uh, you know, the <laughs> last week is so interesting because you have the option of, well, I shot six under and missed the cut. It, it's not really like that. That's not really your two options. It's not, well, I, I made a, I, I blew up and missed, or I made a bunch of bogeys and it's kind of like, well, I didn't make 14 birdies in two rounds. So I missed the cut. It, yeah. So I, I have, I have my questions. It's not a golf course where, ah, I mean, look, Bryson had his nine holes that really got him and Patrick Cantlay had nine holes that really got him. So there are really good players that can have struggles, but with Ricky, I just, I'm, I'm not ready to go there with him yet. And I'm a huge fan, but I, I'm, I, I've seen nothing that says, yeah, this is the week for Ricky. Those blow up holes for him. It's one thing if, um, if Bryson has blow up holes and he's been playing so well, or if Matthew Wolf goes out this week and, and loses the tournament because of um, a, a bad three hole stretch. And then next week we're talking about the same thing. That's different because the form has been so good. And you can say that's an anomaly, but with Ricky, that's more of the, that that's more of what it is now. It, it's not, um, it's not something that's surprising that you can just shake off because we haven't seen the good side. If, if yeah. we were seeing the good side week after week after week, and then, Oh, there were three bad holes and he missed the cut. Okay. Well, that's one thing, but that's not where we are with him. So I, I I'm not, I'm not ready to jump on the Ricky bandwagon yet. That's a good point. I might just want him to be good again. Yeah, um, we all do. He's great yeah. for the game. $7,000 range. This is, I actually probably prefer a couple guys in the six more sixes more than I prefer some of these guys in the sevens talking about, uh, Brendan Todd at 7,900 all the way down to Jason Kokrak and Sebastian Munoz at 7,000. Greg, this one might be right up your alley. Brian Harmon. 
I, I like Brian Harmon at $7,200. And I have to make a couple of assumptions here. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm reading, trying to read the tea leaves and understand as much as I can about Shadow Creek that it does not play as long as the 7,500 yards on the scorecard and that it does, as most courses do, lend itself to guys who hit their approaches very well. Well, if that's the case, uh, Brian Harmon is your guy. I mean, eight consecutive cuts made. Obviously, won't have to battle with that. Uh, this week, but he kept himself in contention for a very long time at the Shriners last week. Yeah, he did. And he's swinging great. Even on Sunday, he made some some really, really nice swings. Um, I forget what hole it was, but I think it was on the I'm pretty sure it was on the back nine. Um, he had a he had a great looking shot that ended up probably a foot short and ended up in the water. That oh, kind of did right. him in. I forgot about um, that. Yeah. But his swing he's swinging really well. But the problem I have with Brian Harmon this week is I feel like he's a great go-to for when you need a cut to be made. Mm. And I don't feel like there's a lot of equity for him to contend again in a second week. Now, this is now, this marks now the third uh, episode in a row where I've been down on Brian Harmon and he's <laughs> proved me wrong every time. Now, you know, I'm a fan of his. Um, I love where the swing is, but there, there are some other players I think in this range who I think have a better chance um, in the tournament. So I'm not huge on Brian Harmon. I mean, Brendan Todd always, he, he plays well week in and week out. He is a very safe play. Not my favorite play, but a very safe play. A walking Neiman is a guy who I think can, can kind of pop up and contend in a tournament like this. I feel like he um, has a real chance of doing that, although there's a reason why he's priced where he is. There's some um, inherent risk, which I'm not afraid of in this range. But the guy that I really like this week and I expect to play well again is Russell Henley. Mm. Um, and so Russell Henley, a little bit cheaper than Brian Harmon. He's at $7,100. He came in tied 27th last week. Now, you look at a tied 27th finish and you say, oh, that's not great. I mean, he shot, he shot 14 under, right? His worst round was 70, 67, 67, 66, um, and, then, and then a 70. And I just look at this guy as a guy who's coming in in great form, which is why I was high on him last week. The 70 on Sunday didn't do him any favors. Um, and that's why he finished tied 27th. But look at what happened at the end of last year. It was some really good play. Tied ninth at the Wyndham, tied eighth at the Northern Trust, tied 25th at the BMW Championship. And the thing I really like, Rick, as you were saying, it's a second shot golf course. He is uh, very, very good with his iron play. He's 28th so far on tour this year that doesn't really mean anything last year in a full season he was third approaching the green on the pga tour so on a second shot golf course i really like taking a chance on a russell henley i have a stat for you that might be yes. interesting since the restart the leaders in strokes gained t to green are Justin Thomas, pretty good golfer, Dustin Johnson, he's okay, and third is Russell Henley. <laughs> pretty slick. Just yeah. ahead of Sergio Garcia and John Rahm. So it is, uh, you are absolutely right. Uh, it is, he is a great ball striker. He hits his irons beautifully. I actually think he might lead this field in strokes he and approach in that time frame. He's he's also while you get that he's pretty accurate off the tee as well. Um, he he hit last year sixty five percent of his fairways sixty six uh, sixty five point sixty five percent, which was thirtieth on tour, and that's going to be an advantage as well because um, you you mentioned the golf course being lush. 
And so in handicapping this thing, when you don't know what the rough is going to be like for a guy that's not uh, incredibly long, um, which he is not a long hitter, he's going to he's going to be able to rely on his strength by hitting some fairways this week and, and his strength being the iron play. And he does lead this field in strokes gained approach since the restart. He's the only golfer who's averaging over one stroke per round. Phenomenal stuff. I think you talked me into Russell Henley. Yep. Sub $7,000 range. Um, pull my string and I'll just say Mackenzie Hughes at $6,800. I, kn- yeah, I knew it was coming. I mean, you'd you, love the price on it, right? You love the price on it. You love that he has shown up in... Um, uh, a lot of big fields or a lot of, a lot of tough courses with deep fields is where he has shown up. Also uh, his strokes gain numbers are, are, are basically, I mean, they're great for anybody under like $8,000 and it doesn't even count the third place that he had at Corrales because shot link isn't set up there. So his numbers would actually be even better uh, if we had the data from that event. So yeah, he, he kind of checks off a lot of things for me. Yeah, I'm totally with you on that. Um, the price is just too, he's hes too good to be priced in that range. Um, he just continues to perform in big events. So I think he's a steal at 6,800. The other guy I like $100 cheaper is um, is Adam Hadwin. And yes. Adam Hadwin is so good in the desert. I mean, his his record at the career, build, uh, well, the American Express now, formerly the career builder, um, formerly the Desert Classic, all of those tournaments, he is lights out. Not only has he shot 59, um, but but he's been he's been great with second, I think three second place finishes at tied six. It's ridiculous. Um, so he's had great performances in the desert. And last week he came and tied 34th with the 74 on Sunday. And I feel like he's going to kind of write the ship that, that followed a 62 and you know, the old adage, it's hard to follow up a, a low round with another really low round. And I think that round Sunday just got away from him. But uh, I, I think Adam Hadwin is another one of those players who's a steady ball striker um, and can get really, he can be really good with his irons. He's another one of those guys who doesn't really have a lot of holes in his game. So he was 59th on tour approaching the green last year. He was 66th in strokes game putting. He was 60th tee to green. He was 51st around the green. He's very, very well-rounded. Hits a lot of fairways, hits a lot of greens. Um, and and I feel like in this environment, he's going to really succeed. I, I like that a lot. He's made 17 of his last 19 cuts. Obviously, that doesn't matter this week. I, I still do think it is indicative that he's playing better than you know at least half the field. Right. So I, I uh, yeah. Um, the guy that I think will get a lot of questions is Cam Smith. He's 6,800. Now, I want to get your thoughts on this, Greg, because his history at the CJ Cup is <laughs> phenomenal. Third, yeah. seventh, third. Now, you look at that one side and you say, it doesn't matter at all because that's all at nine bridges and we're playing uh, halfway around the world and we're in Las Vegas again this week. Or you look at it and you say, okay, it's still a collection of that's some of the top 78 players in the world. They all show up. They're all here. And he, in this field composition, finds a way to, to get his name on the first page of the leaderboard. Where, where do you fall in this argument? Um, well, it, to me, I almost go outside of the argument entirely. And uh, I look at Thanks. a player. So <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But what's he, what's he playing like? How, how is his form coming in? And how is his form going in to those events at the CJ Cup when it was at Nine Bridges? 
And he was a player who uh, was a star on the President's Cup team. Um, and, and he ended up winning it at, at the Sony. So leading into that with the CJ Cup um, going very well for him, he was playing well. And, and he's a guy that's played well this time of year. So what's his form like now? It, it wasn't, I'll be honest, last year it wasn't great. Since right. the restart, it was, um, it, it was quite poor, I guess. But I, I guess towards the playoffs, it started to come around. He was tied 18th. Well, I get th- where this comes from. He missed the first three cuts since the restart. And then he came in tied 68th and then tied 59th and then tied 43rd at the PGA Championship. So there, there wasn't a lot to kind of write home about but there's been some signs of better play tied 18th at the northern trust tied 20th at the bmw um the tour championship was 24th which i guess uh is a is a totally different story but then you saw some pretty good tournaments uh in in this season tied 38th at the u.s open so so difficult setup i understand that and then tied 24th at, at the shriners so i guess i'm kind of lukewarm on his form coming in but you could convince me that um that that there's a a sign of somebody who's playing better who could peak if he won i would say okay well he's been playing great um since the playoffs he's been playing really nicely so i, I think there could be a, a pop-up from a cameron smith um but I don't think his record at the CJ Cup really has any merit at all here. I got to admit, uh, below like a Mackenzie Hughes, Adam Hadwin, maybe even like, I don't know, Adam Long. Like, I, I don't I don't want to go too far down this list. Uh, it starts to get a bit hairy. Is there anybody else sub 7K that we should mention before we sign off? So I think there's an element here where you almost have to take a chance at somebody down here, mm-hmm. um, which you you mentioned the stars and scrub lineup, right there. You're, you can, I'm okay with you throwing a dart down here in this, um, in, in this area. Andrew Landry is a guy who played some nice rounds last week. Um, it wasn't necessarily a great weekend for him, but look, if you're going to try to go get two of the guys in the top, uh, in the 10 K plus range, which I am going to try to do, I'm not afraid of taking a shot at an Andrew Landry, taking a shot at, at a Tom Hoagie. Um, I'm probably not going to go down to the minimum range. I don't necessarily, I'm not necessarily crazy about Jim Herman or, or Tyler Duncan this week. Um, nothing against them, but I, I'm, I, I'll take a shot down here. And then the other guy who I, who I look at, I mean, does Cam Champ do anything for you at 6,400? There's so much, the ceiling is, is so high with him and he's, he's so cheap. Do you, do you take a shot at, at a Cam Champ? Okay. Would you rather, I, I the short answer is probably no, but would you rather Cam Champ or Kevin Na? So Kevin Na plays beautifully for three rounds. I don't know what happened on Sunday. Uh, we're still in Vegas. I know it's not Summerlin, but like which which one of these guys would you rather have? Kevin Na is too sporadic for me. With in a, yeah, where Camp Champ he, is he, the epitome of consistency, right? No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I look. I know it's a horrible thing to say. This sporadic, but you're but the, if you right. look at when do they pop up? Right. Yeah. Camp Champ pops up at a PGA championship. Kevin Na pops up at a Shriners Hospitals for Children Open last year. Right. The events that Kevin Na pops up in are are very um they, they are of a certain field. They have a certain field strength. And they're generally not the best fields in the world. Uh they're generally not on golf courses that are 75 plus hundred yards. Right. There, there's kind of a script for him. And this is not a place I would say is a Kevin Na kind of a golf course. So because he's sporadic and because this is a golf course, I don't think is going to be great for him. 
I, I would say Camp Champ all day because Camp Champ has the firepower to win on a golf course like this. He could yeah. he can take the hard holes here and make them easy holes in one shot. So he's got that advantage built in. Um, but there are two other players I think you could convince me to play over Cameron Champ. Um, and it'd be Kevin, a Kevin Streelman and a Joel Damon. Of course, yeah. there's question marks about him. But Joel Damon shot 58 in Phoenix. Maybe he's, you know, um, is there a, does he like the Southwest? Do you think there's any, is there anything that you like about him? Kevin Streelman's a guy that has gone on crazy birdie runs and won tournaments like the Travelers before, um, you know, with, with just a crazy run. And I know you've been high on Streelman because of his ball striking. Yeah. Do these guys do anything for you? Um, I, I like Streelman. I think Streelman's a good popper. Uh, we'll have to talk to Joel Damon, see if the Southwest is his favorite ecosystem. Uh, but I don't know. We'll, we'll, I would much rather prefer, I would much prefer Kevin Streelman over Joel Damon. And, and does that mean Kevin Streelman over Cameron champ as well? Probably. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. I, like I just, I just rely on that ball striking. I mean, it's so versatile a lot of places, especially when yeah. it has a lot of unknowns like we have this week, Greg. Much appreciated. Another preview, DFS preview pod in the books. You know what's coming tomorrow? Megapod. Megapod coming tomorrow. Be sure to tune in for that. You can find Greg Ducharme on Twitter at TheRealGFD. You can find me on Twitter at Rick Run Good. This has been The First Cut, and we'll catch you next time.